Remain standing as we read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some of you must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. You may be seated. Today I have decided to uh, speak on the subject of, of rest as I continue on my sermon series on spiritual disciplines. <clears throat> now in our Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Amish Mennonite mindset, we are usually quite clear on the fact that laziness is sin. We are familiar with the list of sins, the seven deadly sins in the book of Proverbs, which names slothfulness or laziness as one of those sins. We're familiar with warnings against sluggards and idleness and being busybody in other people's matters. And um, we're familiar with the uh, instruction of Scripture to avoid refusing to work. At the same time, the Bible also warns about working harder and working more simply for the purpose of accumulating more and simply for the purpose of establishing our little kingdom here on earth as we know it. Actually, I think I, we perhaps, tend to be less familiar with some of these verses than we are with the other kind. The trouble is that I think many cultures, ours included, we think of excessive work as not only acceptable but perhaps even commendable. For instance, somebody who works 80 hours a week is considered ambitious. Someone who never takes a vacation is considered reliable. 
The person who volunteers for any and all tasks and never says no, never has any boundaries uh, in, in, in terms of time and so on, is considered dedicated. A person, I, I just think we need to be careful as we think about this. And that's one of the goals that I have for us as we think about work and rest. I'd like for us to lay out, I'd like for, to lay out in the sermon today a, as much as I am able a biblical lens for rest rather than a cultural lens. <clears throat> I think for most or many workaholics, um, people who especially enjoy working, rest is a habit that needs to be developed. It's something that we need to intentionally enter into where we take time off, even as little as five minutes, where we just sit and we turn off our phones. We maybe even physically remove ourselves from some of these devices that demand our attention. And we just take time to, to look at the sunset or the sunrise. Or we take time to e evaluate uh, our surroundings or whatever way it is for us to find that rest. And as we do that consistently and more frequently, it becomes a habit. And that's one of the, that's why I think of rest as a spiritual discipline. <clears throat> Spiritual disciplines are activities that we enter into, and those activities instruct us. They teach us about ourselves. They teach us about God. They teach us about our life in general. Discipline is basically just another word for instruction or training. The word comes from, the word discipline comes from a Latin word, which is actually very similar, and it, like I said, is pretty much just another word for instruction. When we enter into spiritual disciplines or activities, they are instructions for us. They teach us. They are training that teaches us about our lives and about God and about other people. And that's why I see this as a spiritual discipline. First of all, I want to talk about the principle of rest. The principle of rest. I think it's very important for Christians to uphold the literal interpretation of Scripture. I think the problem in so many churches and teaching programs today is that the first 11 chapters of the book of the Bible, of the Bible, the first 11 chapters are considered as allegorical and perhaps even taught as not meant to be taken literally. And what happens in so many cases is that in doing so, numerous other portions of the Bible that are taught are picked up by subsequent or following generations or people that are coming along or behind, and they push the door open just a little further, and they also interpret other portions of Scripture as allegorical and not meant to be taken literal. You see, they interpret the Bible just a little bit more consistently. And I believe that this can happen with any teaching, but it can also happen with the teaching, the principle of rest. Let me ask you this. Where do we get our seven-day week? Now, from we, we, get, our, we get our month 
Let me start with a day. We get our day because the earth is like a giant ball spinning on axis, or maybe it's the other way around, and it spins, it takes 24 hours for that, for one revolution. As the earth is moving through our galaxy, it's spinning on its axis, and one revolution takes 24 hours, and that's where we get our day. Along with that, the moon revolves around the earth, and the earth revolves around the sun. So as the earth is revolving around the sun and spinning on its axes, there are certain times where we can see the moon completely full and other times where the moon is invisible to us. And that constitutes our month. Aside from that, it takes about a year, 365 days and a quarter days, for the earth to revolve, to take its entire revolution around the sun. And that's where we get our year. But where do we get our seven-day week? We get it from the Bible. I actually don't know of any other place where that is true. We get our seven-day week from the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2. Where God created the world in seven days and rested, or created the earth and the world as we know it in six days and rested on the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, make it just as clear as could be. God rested. And chapter, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God had just pronounced his creation as being very good. Six times prior in Genesis chapter 1, he created something, and at the end of that particular day, he said, it's good. <clears throat> the thought of God having finished his work is mentioned four times in this set of verses. The idea that he had finished his work. The scripture does not say that he is resting presently. It uses the past tense. He rested. Actually, the Bible indicates in other places in Scripture that God today is working on our behalf. He is working to complete our salvation. But in this particular Scripture, this particular passage, it uses the past tense and tells us that he rested on the seventh day. From creation here in Genesis chapter 2 until the law was given in Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20, that's a period of about 2,500 years. And there is no mention at all in that period of time of days of rest or Sabbaths, holidays, where there was any commandment or natural day of rest that was followed. Perhaps there was. The Bible doesn't say it. But in Exodus chapter 20, verses 10 and 11, in the Ten Commandments, as the law was given to Moses, God commanded the children of Israel to observe the Sabbath, which was Saturday, the seventh day, to keep it holy. Along with that, he also introduced, introduced other holidays, which were also called Sabbaths, days of rest. And God brought that 
concept to the children of Israel and established rest as part of their tradition, part of their culture. There was days built into Jewish culture to this very day that are reminders to them of the need to separate oneself from servile work and from doing um, normal things and sort of entering into a mode of, of rest. It's a different thought pattern than what one follows the rest of the week. <clears throat> a little later on, when the uh, Ten Commandments were kind of reiterated to the children of Israel, in Exodus chapter 31, there is uh, God again makes it very clear that the Sabbath was a, something special between God and the children of Israel. And the distinct reason for this was given here, as well as in, um, in, in uh, Exodus 20, and then again in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The seventh day is considered to be a Sabbath, and it is for a specific reason. And it gives, gives the reason here in verse 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. So the observance of the Sabbath, or Saturdays, or certain holidays, was then observed for approximately the next 1,500 years by the Jews, and I should add probably continuing on until this very time, which is another almost 2,000 years now that the Jews have been uh, following this particular pattern. But when Jesus came in the Gospels, it is abundantly clear that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, not the seventh day, Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And it's clear in the book of Acts and from the Gospels that the apostles and the disciples gathered together on the first day of the week in commemoration of Jesus' resurrection. The early church met on Sunday, the Lord's Day, as it was called in that time and still is today, not the Sabbath, not Saturday. They met Sunday the first day of the week. Writings from the early church fathers from the first to the third centuries, such as Ignatius, Tertullian, or Justin Martyr, who wrote large volumes, um, you can easily see from their writings that they also taught and practiced meeting on the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week. What I'm trying to emphasize is simply this point. The principle of the Sabbath is one out of seven. And I think it's a little bit of a guide for us to think about how we can separate ourselves from what we do the rest of the week and to enter into a different mode or a different uh, thought process so we can implement that into our practice and our culture and that becomes a habit. The observance of the Lord's Day, I think, is a logical and a suitable day to worship. It's a suitable day to gather for fellowship just like we are this morning. I'm thankful for that. It's a day that we can and should be glad to set aside our work and set aside what occupies us the rest of the week. It should be a day where we focus on rejuvenation, on being refreshed, as um, the text here in um, Exodus chapter 31, God rested and was refreshed. I think it's instructive for us that God did that, and as a result, it is, an, it is a pattern that we can follow as well. On the Lord's Day, we celebrate 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that resurrection brings power to our lives to live in that same way like Romans says the same power that raised up Jesus is effective and active in our lives to keep us from falling or walking in sin additionally I see the creation principle of, of rest as the part that I want to emphasize today Now, I admit, I struggle with this subject of rest. I enjoy staying busy and being engaged. I, I think I probably am less busy now than I was five years ago, and I'm actually good with that. But rest is something that I think I find easy to avoid. While I'm a person that enjoys sleeping, it is also surprising to me how little or how much we work at avoiding sleeping and how much we try to make our nights shorter thinking that we're going to be more productive if we're active and engaged. I'm surprised sometimes at myself and how full I make my schedule thinking that I'm going to be accomplishing more by having the schedule tightly packed, every evening of the week planned, and appointments throughout where I'm rushing from one appointment to the next. I deal with this issue of rest. I'm definitely in the stage of life where I'm in responsibility, and I'm not grumbling about that, I'm not complaining about that, but I know what it's like to have rest seem and feel like it's elusive, like I can't hardly find enough space or time for rest. I know what it's like to even sometimes crave rest. As a pastor, even Sundays can be less than restful. And I know that there's other people that find it that way as well. I'm not complaining, I'm just, I'm just saying my feelings. Physically, physically we need rest. We know that. When we don't get proper rest physically, when we are for whatever reason not able to sleep at night or there's, we're under stress, our body wears down and can actually break down as a result of not getting enough rest physically. It's a danger that is a fact of our lives. Our bodies are designed that we can't function beyond a certain point without an adequate amount of rest. Mentally and emotionally, same way. We need rest. And when we don't get enough of rest mentally and emotionally, we, the de demands of life can cause overload and can cause us to break down mentally or physically. Satan in those times can get a major foothold in our lives and can tell us lies or cause us to believe certain things that are not true. It's something that we need to guard against. Having said all of that, I think it's important for us to, even in the busy stages of our lives, even in the busy times of our week, or the busy, busy parts of our day, I think it's important for us to, in those times, find a way to, to relax and find rest, even in those times where we mentally and emotionally find rest, even though there's a lot of activity or a lot of weight or responsibility activity going on around us. 
I think there's a way that we can train ourselves to think even in those times that we can find rest, at least to a degree. And the next thing is that spiritually we need rest. We need rest spiritually. And God has always wanted mankind to have rest. And that rest is found in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 makes it as clear as could be. We enter into that rest. Our bodies are made. Spiritually, we are designed. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we are designed to need rest and to want rest. And that rest is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Even the fact of death. Death in and of itself causes us to enter into rest, which is a term, ironically, that we use for people who pass away. People who die, uh, you write it in obituaries, so-and-so entered into rest. We're designed for that. Death for the Christian is actually an ultimate form of rest for a believer. Our rest is found in Jesus. So it is interesting to me to notice that each time the Ten Commandments are given, and I had the screens up here earlier, each time the Ten Commandments are given, there is a different reason given as to why we rest on the seventh day, or why the principle of rest is important for the Jews, and obviously applies to to Christians to this very day, as it's described in the New Testament. In Exodus chapter 20, God tells the disciples or the, the, his people to keep the Sabbath because of the creation principle. In six days, God created the earth and he rested on the seventh day. So there's a creation principle. And because, of, because of, of the fact that God rested, God set aside this day, which is another way of saying God sanctified or set apart that day. He made it a holy day. It's set apart. That's basically what the word holy means. And Israel was to keep the seventh day in honor of God resting on the seventh day. One out of seven, that principle. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy, is what it says there in Exodus chapter 20. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, where the law is given again a certain time, God says, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. The fact that they were delivered from bondage was or is one of the reasons why that one out of seven principle is to be observed. Why the, the Sabbath is, should be, is because it's a reminder that we, they, are delivered from bondage. The Jews were delivered from Egypt and slavery. Christians are also delivered from slavery and bondage, not to Egypt, but to the vices of sin. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, and also the uh, uh, Exodus passage there in Exodus chapter 26, it mentions that, you, that they have not yet come into this rest, which is the verse that's re, re picked up on in Hebrews chapter 4. And it's notable to me that Hebrews chapter 4 uses that same, those same three principles of of rest. Hebrews chapter 4, there is creation rest 
or the creation principle being a model, one out of seven, for us to follow in terms of finding rest. And then Hebrews chapter 4 goes on and talks about Canaan rest, or the promised land, which was symbolic of to the Jewish people of entering into rest, being delivered from slavery and entering into the promised land. Well, we know the story. Because of strategic blunders that the, of the children of Israel made because of unbelief, they never really entered that rest. They never found that rest. Joshua and all the Jewish leaders after that, David for all his military might, never accomplished the rest that God had intended for the Jewish people in the promised land. David could only write about it prophetically in, in Psalm 95, which is recorded and picked up here in Hebrews chapter 4. The third rest that's described in Hebrews chapter 4 is Calvary rest. Rest is found in Jesus. It's not ultimately found in a day, but rest is found in a person. It's found in the, the person of Jesus Christ. And when we have Jesus Christ in our life, we enter into a rest that's called Calvary rest. We are created to rest. We're created for rest. We have all kinds of illustrations. Even physically speaking, we are designed to deteriorate and ultimately die. And in doing so, we enter into rest. That's for the believer, of course. Death for the Christian equals rest. That rest is found in Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Rest is found in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 continues on from the passage that we read. And it mentions that very fact. Rest is found in Jesus. Let us therefore, he says, come boldly unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That's what we all need. We are, we numerous times in my, in my life and in our lives, we have a time of need. And Jesus provides that grace to help us. He gives us that rest. Rest is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to shift now and become a bit more practical the purpose of rest. I've talked about the principle of rest. Now let's look at the purpose of rest. I think there are numerous things, at least as I see it, that enter into the circle of rest. If you want to say it, there are maybe other circles that contribute, that contribute to this theme of rest. One of the things that I think enters into the theme of rest is the principle of stewardship. Stewardship is basically the acknowledgement and the, the picture or the concept that God owns everything. God owns everything. And we are stewards of what God gives us. That means that we use his money, we use his time, we use everything that we have is his, and we use it because he has entrusted it to us. We use it to the 
best of our ability, and we seek to find ways to be um, to use it more wisely and bring better results. Or that's the purpose of stewardship. It's the reminder that God owns everything. The time that you spent sleeping last night was time that God owned. And the time that you spend playing some silly game on your phone this afternoon is time that is owned by God. The time that we spend working this next week, the hours that we spend on, on, on the clock or, or earning money is time that is owned by God. The time that we spend sitting here in church this morning in these pews is time that's owned by God. All of the time that we have is owned by God. And so we should seek to find ways to use it in a way that, that um, contributes to his glory. And one day the Bible tells us that we're going to give an account to God for how we used our time, for the things that he's entrusted to us. And that includes our time. Ephesians chapter 5 or 6 says that we should redeem or make good use of the time. We should, we should, um, yeah, we should redeem the time, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Those are, that's instruction that certainly applies to 2020. So in thinking about God's purpose for rest, I've listed a few things that at least I came across in my studies or things that were especially uh, important as I saw it. Number one, rest helps us to recover. We rest as a way to recharge. And I think this is where sleep is especially helpful. Our body is designed that when we sleep, our breathing slows down, our blood flow decreases, and as that happens, the cells in our brain actually become recharged. It's like charging our batteries. The cells throughout our body heal. Our sore muscles, our muscles that are sore and tired when we fall into bed or go, go to bed, feel better and renewed when we sleep. It's the natural body function that causes that. Our muscles receive healing through sleep. And um, it seems as if the older we get, the more we need that recharging, or maybe the, the recharge needs recharge or something. But yeah, it, it, our bodies are designed to heal itself. And the cells in our brain are designed to recreate. And sleep is a way to do that. Rest is a way to do that. Now, in light of what I said earlier, this is one of the huge differences between us and God. We need to rest to recover from work. He doesn't. God does not need to recover from work. The passage there in Exodus 36 says that he was refreshed, I think. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I didn't check the Hebrew word there. But God does not need to recover like we do. But rest does that for us. When we rest, whether it's sleep or some other form of rest, it rejuvenates us. It recreates what we're losing in other areas in our lives or in our schedules. Rest is a way to show our dependence on God. When we slow down, when we stop, resting shows that God doesn't need us to always work. 
When we stop, when we slow down, we, it's, a, it's a visual. It should be an indication or a visual to us that we need God. That he can manage things without us working. And I think rest, yeah, rest shows our dependence on God. God accomplishes far more by himself than we ever can with all our abilities. With everything that we have engaged, where even if we would work the entire hours of our lifetime, that amount would not, would not even closely compare to what God accomplishes or can accomplish. The, the gap is so huge. Our limitations are a gift from God. And when we stop to rest, when our bodies tell us that it's time to sleep, that should be a visual reminder of our dependence on God. We need Him. He does not necessarily need us to accomplish His work. He uses us. Isaiah 50, 40, verse 28 to 31 implies that God does not grow weary or faint, but we do. He gives power to the faint, he says. He increases their strength. Even the youth shall, even young people faint and get weary, and young men become exhausted. But he says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. We get our strength from God. And when we rest, it's a visual, and indicator of that principle. <clears throat> now, instead of focusing only on what rest does to your pr productivity or what it takes away from your productivity, which is something that we need to reprogram ourselves, I tend to think that if I stop working, I don't get as much done. The opposite is actually true. When we rest adequately, we become more creative in our thinking. Our, our work habits, there tends to be less futility in our practices, in our habits, in our work. And probably one of the most, one of the most, the easiest to understand illustrations would be driving. When we drive and are tired, we enter into a huge risk. And the fact that we want to get there by a certain time actually sometimes tends to be a huge problem to our productivity rather than the other way around. So when we collapse into bed at the end of the day, our fatigue, our tiredness can be a good reminder that God doesn't need us for the work to continue. We rest, and he continues. Rest is an illustration of God's unlimited resources. And when I fall asleep at night, it's not like God ever says, thank goodness for Dave, I could never do it without him. He never says that. He never says that. But we should say that. When we rest, it's a reminder of our need and our dependence on God. <clears throat> rest encourages us to enjoy God. I think rest helps us to delight in the goodness of God. Really, that's what we're doing here today. We're fellowshipping. We're gathered together. 
We discussed the Sunday school lesson. We sang together, and we had this camaraderie that we feel when we're with other believers. That happens on a Sunday morning. It encourages us to enjoy God. We set time up aside from our weekly schedule just to engage in um, activity that can and should lead us to worship. But there's other ways to enjoy rest as well. First Timothy chapter 4, 4 says that everything was created by God. Everything that he, that he made is good and nothing is to be rejected, it says, but it's to be received with thanksgiving. That's 1 Timothy 4, 4. And 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, these are words to rich men that everything that's created is to be enjoyed and as long as we remember that creation as coming from God and going to God, it's a conduit to the creator, not the other way around. And in our rest, I think we can find that. We can see things that are created and it can be a conduit to God. We see a sunset. We see a sunrise. We're hiking or camping and we see outdoors. We are reminded of God's amazing creation. Even a walk in the woods or touring a museum or a fun conversation or an event can be a way for us to worship. We, are, we enter into a reminder of God's creation and the beauty that goes along with that. Rest recovers the art of preparation, number four. Rest recovers the art of preparation. Now, one of the necessary implications of the Sabbath laws of the Old Testament was that they were not allowed to build fires on the Sabbath day. Now, God didn't tell them, he didn't give them that law because he wanted them to be cold on Sundays. He didn't want them to be freezing when the, when the weather was cold. That's not why God gave them. But part of the reason for that was so that they would prepare ahead of time. And rest, the principle of rest includes that. When we rest, it forces us to prepare for the next thing. And I think it's one of the things that we are, especially in our instant culture, are led to believe, sometimes led to believe, that we don't necessarily need to think ahead. We don't necessarily need to prepare because we always have our ever-present devices with us. And yeah, when we get in our car, so where are we going to go? Oh, how do we get there? We just punch it into our phones and the GPS takes us there. Years ago, when I traveled to other areas, I had to plan the route that was taken. I had to jot it on a piece of paper. And I had to, when I traveled to South Carolina, for example, I you know, took 81 to, to um, the next route and to the next route and to the next route until I ended up at Gina's house. Now, we don't have to do that. We are programmed to just trust our devices. We don't have to prepare. We don't have to have that thought process anymore. And that's just one illustration. But rest, I think, is a reminder to us to prepare. Physically, that actually happens. I explained that with our bodies. Our bodies actually rejuvenate. They prepare for the next day by resting. 
And we get used to doing it that way. We get used to having what we want as soon as we want it. And whether that's information or services or goods, we sort of get used to not preparing or planning. Actually, the people that, that run our culture want it that way. Because if, if we would, at least for myself, if I would spend more time waiting before I actually make a purchase, there would be times where I wouldn't buy it. If I would actually stop and rest and wait, I would probably maybe buy something differently sometimes, or maybe not buy it at all. Adding slots of time into our schedule allows us that time and space to develop a plan. And fifthly, rest helps build relationship with others. Now, good stewardship is something that I already referred to, and I think it's especially noteworthy that in the subject of stewardship and how much of stewardship is involved in relationships. For example, the parables that Jesus gave on stewards and stewardship, it involves their interaction with other people. A lot of times, check it out. Along with that, along with relationships, is also the handling of money. And money is relational. We make deals with people. We buy and sell based on our relationship with the person. We transact and we use money to build connections and relationships. And I would say along with that, I think health is, um, is part of that as well. Serving others as a result of, of our relationship, our interaction with other people. Time is required for building relationships with others. And I think one of the key purposes of rest and leisure is to serve relationships. And one of the things that we're doing, like I already said here this morning, is interacting. We're sitting in a room with other believers, and it's for the purpose of fellowship, doing something collaboratively, collectively. We meet each other, talk together, we sing together, we discuss the Sunday school lesson or hear the sermon together. It's all part of a relational activity. And I realize that there are some of us who tend to be more extroverts and some who are more introverted. But for whatever reason, we, God made us that way. We, we need other people. And we need to find ways to relate to other people. And that's a form of rest. And it's a God-honoring purpose of rest is for us to do things together. I'll pick up on some of these themes in our next section here. How to rest. In case you haven't understood it or got it yet, rest is critical. Rest is important. We need rest. We can't do without it. But I think there's also a science or an art. There's a discipline that's learned in how we can rest productively, how we can rest well. And not all forms of kicking back are actually that restful. Not all forms of vacation are actually that restful. And there are things that we can do that actually leave us more stressed out and more tired than we were prior to the activity. I think before we get into the, the best ways to rest, I think it's instructive to agree on a common definition of rest. What actually is rest? Well, I've gotten a few of those things, and I think w when we get into 
the definition of rest, I think it also again implies that whatever the activity is, that it it causes us physically to rest. Our heart rate slows down. Our blood pressure comes down. Our shoulders usually follow. We're not as tight or tense. And whatever activity we're doing should cause this. So rest is a form of slowing down physically. Heart rate, blood pressure, the intensity are, goes away. Our shoulders um, are not knotted up. Psychologically, I think rest happens when we, uh, there's a deliberate or, um, yeah, deliberate effort taken to more passive thinking. We, we don't have this intensity or this drive. And for instance, like in a new job, for example, you know how it is when you take a new job, the first couple of weeks you have to think about everything you're doing. Well, when you do the job for a long time, you can daydream and zone out and mind wander and do just do the same things that you did. And that's what I'm talking about, where we either consciously or subconsciously enter into a more passive frame of thinking. That's what rest is. Along with that, I think we should also acknowledge that stress is not, or stress is subjective. Um, for example, going on a five-mile run can be a very relaxing, restful thing for some people, but it causes extreme stress for other people. And I think the same can be said about many other things. What is restful for one person, may not be restful for another person. What causes stress for one person? But either way, I think what, I, what I'm saying is that there are commonalities. When you are caused to rest, the things that you do to rest should have the same physical and mental uh, effect, where we enter into a more passive state. Walking is a way to rest. I think there are numerous studies that have shown some of the physical advantages to, to walking. There is something about the pattern of taking steps, swinging your arms. It does something for you physically. It does something for you mentally. There's a connection between the activity, taking the steps, the walking, running, if you want to include that, I'm, I'm using walking, has, a, has actually been proven to, to adjust some of the chemicals in your brain. The, the blood flow is adjusted and uh, certain hormones are um, coordinated so that your brain has the ability to, uh, again, be cr creative. And um, yeah, it's, it's a benefit of walking. Health benefits, the interplay, yeah. Along with that, I think walking, most of us don't have to put a lot of effort or time, or most of us by far don't have to think about the next step. And it can be a way to, to um, zone out if you, or to mind wander, like I said a bit ago. I think hanging out for, with friends can be a way to to rest. Maybe especially for if you're an extroverted person, but if you're a person who tends to be more introverted, you still have certain people that, that uh, can really help and really cause you to become rejuvenated. 
Studies have found that following stressful periods like sports events or quizzing, um, I think most of you quizzers can, uh, can connect to the quiz parties after the, after the event, where it's a time to just unwind, and it can be some of the most rejuvenating um, thing for you physically. There's other events like that as well. Uh, people say that when you take that time to unwind, when you have something built into your life after a stressful time or an event, when you take the time to rest, or whatever that restful event is, there are, again, hormones in your body. The testosterone to cortisone ratio becomes more balanced. There are things like uh, properties uh, in your brain naturally, such as test, uh, I'm sorry, oxytocin and Vesoprosin, if I can say that word correctly. I don't understand these terms real well, but our bodies are made with them. And when we unwind, when we rest, those chemicals create balance in our bodies. Our nervous system becomes into a rest, restful state. Another way to rest is to experience nature. I think many of us can relate to this. Traveling, hiking. Yeah, many things like that. Camping, enjoying pretty scenery, whether it's mountains or the beach or sunset or sunrise. It has a soothing effect on most of us. And obviously, sleeping. I think there is no form of rest that is as needed and as powerful as sleep. And I invite you to just yeah, take a gander sometime and Google the effects of sleep on your body or enter some kind of thing like that, and I think you'll be convinced as I am. Our body needs anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Even if you convince yourself that you don't need that, I would tend to question that. I think studies have proven it very, very well. Here's just a little bit of an aside. I don't actually have this in my notes, but I've already observed. I've, I've been around long enough already, and I remember people from 20 years ago who worked it seemingly night and day and got by with little, little, little amounts of sleep. Today, they're 20 years older, and when they sit down in a group of people, guess what happens? They fall asleep. It almost seems to me that our bodies are designed. When we deprive ourselves of sleep for long periods of time, sometime or other, that sleep becomes due. And so pacing ourselves in this matter is of critical importance to our mental sharpness later in life. And we might have portions or stages of our life where we are being hugely productive. I think the payback comes later in life. Possibly. Probably. There might be exceptions to that. But I think in general you understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> I think there's really no straightforward guidelines on exactly how and exactly how much you should rest. But I think a good rule of thumb is that we need to be alert and train ourselves to balance stress with rest. When we're in a stage of life or in a stage of our day where there's lots of stress, we need to find ways to balance that in another part of the day or to, 
to balance stress with our, in our lives with adequate amounts of rest. And I think the more offset or the more balanced that is, the more functional we will be, not only at that stage of our life, but at a later stage of our life. And conversely, the more out of balance or the more offset those are, the greater the payback will be at some other time in our lives. <clears throat> I have several comments and challenges as I close. <clears throat> as I studied, I became convicted and more aware of my addiction to haste and hurry and hustle. And I've become more convinced that that addiction shrivels our souls. It causes us to focus on ourselves instead of God. It causes us to place our needs on the top shelf, not others. It causes us to, to focus on things that are short and temporal in the right now and causes us to not think about things that are longer term and eternal. It limits or capacitates our ability to be still and know that I'm God, like Psalm 46 verse 10 says. And I challenge you, the next time that we chafe under the slowness of our microwaves or the slowness of our computers, Think about how we're yielding to that hankering for the instant and the immediate and the sudden. And think of it, how that, that fuels our drive and it becomes, it literally becomes an addiction. And how we might be limiting the growth of our soul as we yield to that. There are three things that are often used as tools of God. That's time, space, and stillness. Time, space, and stillness. God uses those to build strength within us, patient strength. And I am not touching on this very much in the sermon, but I could. There are something like 140 illustrations in the Bible or commands about our Responsibility to wait and be patient as God works and God does his thing. Waiting on God. It's a clear and understandable concept and yet we spend so much time avoiding that very thing. I think it's important for us to intentionally schedule rhythms or patterns of rest into our schedule. It's important for us to be protective perhaps even uh, be very defensive or being very protective of the restful times in our lives that we have set aside. Place boundaries around those times of rest. Don't allow yourself to cancel those activities and events for just anything. It needs to be something pretty important. For some of us, it's a very hard discipline to incorporate. We need to be very, very intentional about putting things into our schedules. Start small, start with things, start with five minutes and build to, to longer periods of rest 
incorporate activities into your life, whole days, weekends of solitude, of rest, of absence of distraction, and those kinds of things. Rest is hard because it forces us to acknowledge that we can't do it all. It forces us to acknowledge that God is actually able to do everything. It removes us from being part of the drive and the push to accomplish the impossible. It reminds us that we are not invincible. It, it, it's a visual for us to set aside and allow God, who is all-powerful, to work. Rest reminds us that we're human. It reminds us that God is God and that we are not. And for those reasons, rest is, is very good. <clears throat> Thank you for your attention. If uh, you are able, I invite you to...